the power button, it's like shutting down. <laughs> masterclass. Uh, yeah, really absolute was. masterclass. Um, all right. Well, episode 220 of Together BHA, fellas. Um, some fun milestones. We just hit 2,500 followers on Twitter. Some Ooh, point okay. in the last, I don't know when we did that, but x.com. X.com. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah, come on, yeah. please. Uh, make sure to re X my, uh, my, my, it really name. does just sound um, like porn, doesn't it? It is, yeah, it shouldn't yeah. be a thing, yeah. Yeah, we'll get some, we'll get some, uh, I guess X videos up for you guys this year, um, <laughs> <laughs> with some, with some really good content from the boys. If um, you're verified on the new Twitter, are you X rated, I think you've got to be, yeah, yeah, so X, isn't it like X premium or something like that? <laughs> It's so I, mean, dumb. I, I wish I wish I was making time. it. It's so stupid. The jokes write themselves, frankly, yeah. don't they? Um, but the big one is the podcast is five tomorrow, fellas. So when wow. you're driving in your car or whatever you're doing and you're listening to this podcast on Spotify or Apple or whatever you're doing and you're not tuned in live and you're watching it tomorrow, it's the actual birthday. What a fun time. Wow. Wow. I love that. Look at that. And you're sporting the the nice away kit as well. That's, yes, uh, yeah. I do. That's grown on me. The green and black. It really has. Yeah, I loved it right away. Um, I haven't even seen the home one in person yet, though. So looking forward to taking a look at that. Um, and then, I think for everybody listening, if you don't know already, I think the Europa numbers and badges and stuff go on sale next. Not this Monday coming, but next online. Yeah. Um, and at the pop-up shop on a Saturday or the Friday before that. So uh, there's a lot of people I know waiting for those. Yeah, I'm waiting. Numbers. <laughs> yeah, Ku- same. Kudu's 10 with a with a nice yeah. little Euro badge <laughs> on there. Yeah, that'd be all right. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, I think that's going to be a good one. Um, you watch it, it'll be like the most lackluster stuff now. It'll be like Comic Sans. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and it'll peel off immediately. Yeah, 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 one wire and that's on gone. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah, it's over. <laughs> All right, fellas. Uh, so this is the big season preview episode. Um, so obviously we will talk all things Brighton first uh, and then we'll move on to the Premier League as a whole uh, second because there's been a lot of stuff going on, really, a lot of movement, um, a lot of exciting new teams joined the Premier League. Uh, weirdly enough, I consider Burnley one of those exciting teams, uh, which is really odd i don't think i'd ever say that um but the arrival of vincent company changed their their entire identity somewhat um but let's start with uh, brighton um and let's talk about the transfers both incoming and outgoing uh, i know we covered a fair bit of this last week um but we've had a fair bit of movement in the last seven days and um, notably dennis undav uh, a player we all thought was looking quite sharp in pre-season has head out to stuttgart uh, on a season-long loan with an option to buy and probably will be done uh what are we thinking about this one robin uh came out of nowhere really didn't it it did mixed feelings because i think like a lot of people up until probably the last third of the season i i didn't think he had what we needed and then he went on a bit of a mini a mini run of scoring good goals important goals you know the little lob against wolves the little chip against arsenal um both showed that he had quality that perhaps i didn't think he did i think he'll have pushed for this himself is is my reading of it because i think he's probably looked at the pecking order 
and gone, he's clearly going to be fourth, isn't he? And even though we've got a lot of games to play, um, he seems like the sort of striker or sort of player that needs to be playing regularly. He needs to have that confidence that, that you know he's got the trust of the team. And I, I just couldn't see him getting a huge amount of games this year with what's been brought in. So I think it, it sort of makes sense. I'm sad because I think if he'd have stayed, he probably would have continued to get better. And obviously he's become a bit of a cult hero, um, as you know, many of these sort of Baz Savage style strikers do. And I'm putting Undav in that category. Um, yeah, I say I, I, I'm interested to see how he does in Germany, but I think it, I think it's a move that makes sense, especially if, if we're bringing in Kudus or another, um, you know, versatile attacker, which would have pushed him even further down the down the list. So it's sad, but I think it makes sense. Do you do you think he suffered from being an out and out striker, Adam, like, as opposed to being a player like? Pedro, all the other A and other, basically the entire front group, right? That play just about anywhere in that front four. Do you think it hurt him that he struggled to do that, or do you think that it was just a case of the pecking order? Yeah, um, it definitely didn't help him. Uh, it's, I guess, if he could play in other positions, yes, Ooh, he, he possibly would be still stuck around. But let's be honest, like, yeah, he went on a bit of a run. He's just. He's not good enough, for, in my opinion, for, for what this team now needs to be. Um, and yeah, fourth choice. But at the same time, you look at you look at that that lineup, and we, we started the friendly today, right, with Welbeck up top, with Jao Pedro playing in behind, um, which I think we'll probably see a fair amount of. Uh, but that then tells you, okay, if we're going to do that, we know Danny's going to go down with an injury at some point. So then you're playing, you're rolling with just two guys because that then means Ferguson comes in, plays up top because we know Ferguson is only playing in the nine role. That's it. Uh, and then you've got the Jao Pedro in the, in the role. Bar. No, yeah, of course. Yes, you can bring in your, hopefully we, we, we finish this Kudus deal. You've got a multitude of different players that can play all across that, that front line. But in terms of like out and out goal scorers, um, when Welbeck gets injured, you will be left with a, a, with a very young Evan Ferguson, who we have high hopes for, and a guy in Jao Pedro, who, by the way, look, looks again fantastic. He looks like he truly is going to be the guy. But a guy that's never really, as of yet, been a guy that's been a goal scorer. He's created goals. He's been impressive. But he's not been a sort of clear double-digit goal scorer for a year. Um, so that's my only reservation. Um, but... Yeah, all the best at Undev. I think he leaves on decent terms, right? I don't think anyone's like, oh my God, this is the worst thing that's ever happened to us or, or the best thing. It's just like, we, I think we, we understand it. Craig, what are you, is that fair? Robin and I no, I've said it I've, to death now at this point, but yeah. Yeah, I think, I think you're spot on, right? There's, there's so many versatility options and that's what the Zerbi wants, right? So you've got someone that is siloed into this category. Like it doesn't mean he's not a good striker. We know he is. Um, but we we just need that versatility, and that's pretty much it. And he gets gets to go back to his home country, right? And and gets to probably start in the Bundesliga and get a bunch of goals. Like happy with that. And the takeaway is, does Zerbi expects to see him next season? I know there's a there's an option to buy, right, rather than an obligation. So um, I think sort of Zerbi's parting comments was, we'll we'll see him at the end of the season. Um, so there's. there's probably still an option there right where he can come in and, and if he does progress in the Bundesliga and makes himself 
you know, a known entity, then we can definitely use him. But at this moment in time, you've got Pedro, Welbeck, Ferguson all in front of you um, and potentially another coming in in that versatile sort of option too. So it, like Robin said, it, it's sad, but it makes sense. Is my mic all right now or is it dodgy still? Seems uh, to be back in the game. Oh, yeah. Good. Uh, Craig, don't go in. Can anywhere. I make one Come more point on that? I was going to say, yes, I just can. have it. It's still, the whole signing strikes me as bizarre. Um, and I still think that if he wasn't at USG, we wouldn't have signed him. I thought that I at the beginning, and I still think I haven't moved from that position. Especially, especially for what, six million quid, was it? Yeah. Like, it, it's sort like of, that. you know, you kind of have to take that up, right? <laughs> so, yeah. so, yeah. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, on to the, the next one, uh, the big move that got us some, the, the nice little cash money from Chelsea, uh, totaling us up to £109 million now in 12 months from Mr. Bowley's account. Uh, Robert Sanchez off to Chelsea to compete with Kepa for the number one spot. Uh, I don't know whether it is 20 plus five or 25 plus five. Feels like there's about 80 different sources and 40 is saying one thing and 40 is saying the other and no one really seems to know. Um, frankly, either which way, it's a great bit of business for us um, to essentially offload our third choice goalkeeper at this point. Um, we talked a lot about Sanchez uh, in the the moments really where we were swapping over to Steele um, and the things he offered and the things he didn't. Do you think that he is a player at this point in time that's going to really challenge for a number one spot under Pochettino, Craig. It seems like a really odd move, doesn't it? Does It feels like a lateral trade. It does, yeah. You're going from third choice to second choice, right? I think that's pretty pretty objective in that respect. And I, I do think he will push Kepper. I think you have to think of our keepers and, and what they do and, and how they have to play. And, and Sanchez just isn't one of those, right? And I don't. Sanchez was a good keeper for us, right? And I'll get that out there, and then we'll we'll get on to the next bit, right? And um, twenty-five million pounds, regardless of whether it's add-ons or not, is still very good for the academy that you brought in someone ten years ago, right? It's another success story for that. It's pure profit in that respect, so you know we're good to go. And um, he was good for us. He isn't anymore. We've changed the way that we play and we changed the way our keepers play. So he doesn't fit anymore. So we get the best money available. Everyone's happy. Uh, I do think he'll challenge Kepa for, for Chelsea because they don't they don't rely on Kepa that much or as much as we do for, for sort of distribution and, and that sort of play. Um, I think he's a great shot stopper, but I think his distribution is obviously lacking and that's why he's getting rid. Um, Attitude-wise, we can... You know, we can ponder on that if you like. Um, we don't know it, anything. <laughs> it's all sort of behind closed doors. Um, but if he wanted out, then he's got out, and that's fine. That's um, so, a uh, Trossard-esque situation. Uh, Kepa's so. got a shite attitude as well, though, hasn't he? They've got two petulant Spanish goalkeepers now at Chelsea, which is just going to be wonderful, hopefully, to see. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure the dressing room's <laughs> going to be marvellous in that respect. Yeah. yeah so, yeah. But if, for, for me, I, I, I said it on... X, whatever the Jeff you want to call it now. Um, but yeah, I, I think Verbruggen's the future, obviously. Um, and that means that Sanchez the third and, and you get 25 mil for your third choice keeper. It's 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 all good. Yeah. Anybody else want to add anything onto that one uh, about Big Bob? I mean, I think it will be the Ben Roberts factor, isn't it? Is the only slightly interesting thing, which is he's still at Chelsea. 
Ben Roberts clearly was the key was the coach who seemed to get the most out of him. And it seemed to be when Ben Roberts left, that was arguably you could start to see Sanchez's attitude potentially change. So I think it'll be an interesting dynamic to see whether he gets that confidence back. Because again, he's clearly another player who needs that confidence because it seems like when he's in a run of making errors they seem to come quite often he has a good patch of being pretty consistent then he literally drops a clanger and then he'll be he'll be a little bit dodgy for a few weeks after that so it seems like ben roberts will be the key the key figure i mean i'll be honest it, it's i have i my level of emotion around him leaving is i couldn't really care less that probably sums up. No, That's how I feel. That's how I feel. I, my okay. level of affection for him, like I genuinely, when I saw him, I saw the thing, and I was like, mm. you know, like I, I genuinely, I couldn't. I mean, good luck to him, but I, um, yeah, I mean, he was he was decent for us. I never, I never overly rated him. He had amazing, you know, he had a, a few amazing moments of distribution to set up goals. I think there was one in Deserby's first game, wasn't it? The Liverpool we swept one all the way to probably Trossard or Matoma out on the left. He had a few of those, but I I always got the impression that he thought he was better than he is, which perhaps is borne out by his attitude when he was displaced by Jason Steele, that he immediately thought this, you know, I'm not even going to give my colleague a chance. Just the very idea that I'm being dropped isn't, you know, isn't acceptable. So I'm, you know, I, it's I'm not going to say I'm glad he's gone, but you know I've got I'm not bothered that he's gone. But this is a youth product. You've been at a club for a long time, and it's just a shame that none of us care that he's now gone. Uh, it's it's just a, I feel like there's a there's a, a string now of of our players that are leaving on slightly shady terms, and hopefully Moises Caicedo is not not added to that list. But you know you, we had this with Trossard, we had this with Basuma, we had this sort of. This 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 bit of attitude towards the end where they're like, no, you know what? I'm career not as well, isn't it? Yeah, it's all just like it's all a bit of a shame. Um, it's like you could you could have done this in a much better way. Uh, we just talked about someone that has Dennis Indev. Whenever he, he he came out and when he was asked to be called on, he improved. He he, he got better at what he did. He was never he's never a problem, uh, for, at least from what we understand for the most part, and. I don't know. It's just it's it's a shame that some of these guys that have been around for a while that, that impressed in Brighton shirts have just kind of like been a bit dickish at the end. But we know that we, ultimately that that's how Deserby's going to leave as well. I mean, we all know that, don't we? When it when he goes, it's going no, to be, yeah, be a, some, a, some sort of explosion press conference. <laughs> yeah, isn't it? Um, yeah. But no, I think I think it's just like you say. I think it is sad that ultimately he should be, you know, as Craig says, he should be being held up as this is a great example of the academy, you know, doing its job. You know, if you look at his pathway, he was loaned. He's doing what everyone did. I think he had League One, he had League Two, League One, skipped the Championship, and was you know straight in. But he was on the same pathway as all the other, you know, all the other products. So he should be being held up as, you know, this is a great example. But you know, financially, he is. I mean, because that's all pure FFP profit, isn't it? So it's yeah. great for the club. Um, and I think, you know, and also PR-wise, you can, as he said, you know, selling. We say he's our third choice goalkeeper. You know, he's third choice because of he fell out with Deserby. Um, but it is, you know, on paper he's our third choice goalkeeper. To say that you can sell him for twenty five million quid is, you know, pretty decent. Make what a nine million net profit and have Verbruggen in instead. 
I mean, it's the the pure financials of it. You can't argue with. Um, but I just think I think he comes out. I think he comes out of it looking. Wor- I think he comes out of it looking worse than anybody else in this. Yeah, I mean, we've made seventy-five million pound off of Ben White and Big Bob in a couple of years, haven't we? From the from the academy. Um, I think to your point, Adam. I think it comes with the territory now, with the the amount of money that's being thrown around at the level we're playing at. That it's really hard for anyone to leave without shitty experiences because we are considered the smaller club or the stepping stone. Um, ben White was all right. I mean, there was nothing with Ben White, was there, from memory? He seemed to go... Nothing there. He seemed to uh, go pretty sort of respectfully. Alexis as well, right? Like, I think that's the most recent one for me, Like considering it was like a month ago. Like McAllister is left on good terms. I yeah. think everybody wishes him yeah. nothing but the best. Um, and he left in really good terms. Uh, Caicedo, though, interesting one. And I'll, I'll ask Craig for this. Do you think that there is going to be any poor terms of Caicedo leaving because for me any feeling of warmth I particularly have for Caicedo dissipated in January and frankly like he's a ticking time bomb at this point and I don't really care he's wonderful to watch and he makes me smile every time I watch him play because he does things every game where it's just like it's just stupid like the tackles he makes is just outrageous like the way he plays is you know, it's like Kante back in prime Kante days, like where you would just watch him for Leicester and just be like, what is going Like, how is this man doing this stuff? But I don't really have any warmth towards the lad. Do you? I mean, have we just got used to this process? And I think there's the, the Basuma and the Trossard stuff, right? You can have a little bit of resignation over the fees because they were relatively low compared to what you would think their true value is to us. Um, that's my opinion. I don't know about anyone else, but Basuma for 25, Trossard for 27, you know, arguably you could have got more there. Right? And the contract stuff, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it, it is what it is, right? I think, I I personally, I just think I'm just used to it now, right? I think we're, we're so preconditioned now that this is, this is the circle of life of, of what happens to these players, right? Is they come in, they play above their means, they get outrageous attention. We sell them on for tenfold and we restart that process. We've now sort of got thicker skin and getting <laughs> too attached to these players because we know that's going to happen. So mm. um, you're right. In January, that's obviously a blot. And I, I think a lot of people thought it's just misguided by agents or whatever, but it doesn't matter. He said it. Um, so for me, um, I'm kind of just looking through that now and, and saying, right, don't get too attached to these players because in a year or two, they are going to move on and, and we'll just find someone else and, and it will continue and the pattern will just keep going. Um, it's just more about the team than the individuals, isn't it? Uh, so so that's how I feel about the Caicedo thing is let's get as much money as possible because we know he's going to go. Um, so why get annoyed about it if we just know inevitably he's going to move on? What a wonderful transition to talk about the Saudi Pro League. Uh, <laughs> capitalism wins out again. Yeah. Well, no, I actually just wanted to touch on <laughs> attitude uh, issues with players that are leaving in two different ones, right? Like Big Bob had a terrible one. Caicedo throughout all of this, at least on the pitch, has been sublime. Uh, talking of attitude, though, just one other outgoing this week. Uh, Adam, any parting words for Aaron Connolly? Yeah, see you, mate. <laughs> Robin, anything to add? <laughs> I mean, normal. It's weird. Up until about, up until he actually left, I'd have been absolutely with Adam. Um, 
but since he's left, I've had this. I don't know. It's a it's a bizarre feel. Like I feel sorry for the bloke. Is my overriding where I've landed because there is a like there's a clearly a talented player in there. And I know I've talked. I've said previously that what happened to him on his debut, that was almost the worst possible outcome for his career, was that he burst onto the like literally burst onto the scene like that, and expectation was suddenly through the roof. And character-wise, he seems he's got that sort of arrogance that at the time he thought was in the right place. You go, okay, he's arrogant, but he's also just scored two on his Premier League debut. Maybe back it up. But his attitude continued, but his progression didn't. So I kind of... And he's clearly had off-field issues. And you know what? I think he's one of those players. I wish him no ill. I hope he goes on and has a decent career. But, you know, he's another one where we have we have outstripped him faster. So, like, our progression has left him behind. I'd just like some and, Shane know, Duffy crunch him in his first It was game. a good tackle. <laughs> he just battered him into the stand. But... Um, and, yeah, and, you know, actually, he, you know, he, he put out quite a nice message on his Instagram when he was leaving, which, you know, is, is par for the course. But it, it felt like one that he'd written rather than one that had been written for him. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I wish, him, I wish him good luck. And, you know, he's one of the, the ones where, you know, what might have been if circumstances and attitude had been different. But I, certainly, I don't wish him any, certainly don't wish him any ill. Yeah, I think time has moved on, hasn't it? We've kind of gone past that point where everybody thought he was just a massive prick. Yeah. <laughs> and like, I he's still just think kind he's of a faded prick. away. <laughs> but he's irre- irrelevant. We've, we've now got That's a, fair, a, yeah. a way more talented young Irish striker who doesn't have an IQ of four. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The mentality of Evan Ferguson yeah, is something it's else. True. You know, it's, it's like, see, yes, yeah, see you, mate. It's fine. I mean, um, when he was on loan up here in the northeast, when he was in Middlesbrough, um, there his his reputation isn't great. I'll put it like that, and not 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 just for his on-field uh, lack of performances. Um, yeah, take the boy yeah. out of shush. So pretty much, yeah. So I mean, clear. I mean, I don't know whether it's just he's he surrounded himself with the wrong type of people. Um, I don't know, but clearly, you know, when he was, he started to get to the point where he was appearing more in the paper because of who he was dating and the whole Love Island, you know, stuff. Not and a problem thought, anymore. Yeah, when it gets to that, that point, he goes, something has gone wrong. But yeah, ultimately, I think the championship will probably be his level at best. So let's see how he gets on. Yeah, um, let's talk about the the way this this transfer market so far is going to have affected the Albion. Um, and I'll start with Craig again, because you're top right. Uh, sorry, mate, you're being hammered with the first questions here oh, a little bit today. Um, I tweeted out yesterday <clears throat> from the account uh, that obviously we play with a front four traditionally, right? Your 4 2 3 1 that is the most in vogue tactic ever now and a football manager masterclass, by the way. Um, but Ferguson, Welbeck, and Ciso, Adingra, Bonanot. Brunanote, Mitoma, Pedro, March, Gross, and probably Kudus uh, are our available attackers. That's 10 players uh, for four spots in the team. First of all, it's going to be an absolute nightmare for opposition to plan for, whether you are Grimsby Town, who drew us in the Carabao Cup, or you are 
AC Milan that are having to come to the Amex, you're not going to want to have to plan for all 10 of those players, are you? Uh, how how do you envision De Zerbi juggling these players and the inevitable ego that comes with youth uh, at some of these players as well? Uh, we know that he basically uh, has to have uh, Enciso on a very, very short leash, as they would say, uh, when he is giving feedback towards him. Um, how do you envision this going for Roberto? This probably is going to be his toughest test in his career, isn't it? Well, yeah, I mean, it's an issue, <laughs> for, but but it's an issue that he has and none of us. So, yeah, I mean, you're going to have to manage expectations for some players. I, I expect your, your Buonanotes are going to say you're probably restricted to substitute appearances for now um, and, and sort of just twist it around in the cups you've you've now got four competitions to play with like, you know, we talked last week about the whole goalkeeper situ and who do you play in the cup who do you play in the league like all of this sort of stuff and um, you can work around that with the fa cup and the carabao cup where you start your bonanotes and and you go from there uh it's just finding a groove really I, i'm sure people like your, your Matomas and, and your Jao Pedros are going to be your first starters. Um, so it's about managing the expectations of those that have to bide their time or wait for their chance. Um, I'm glad it's his problem and not mine, really. Um, that's that's a really tough position to be in. But also, it's probably the best problem to have is that you're going to have 10 very good attackers all waiting for their chance. Um, as long as you keep him motivated, I'm, I'm sure he won't have a problem. But it's not easy. Um, the man management side of things, I'm sure, is incredibly hard. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm very, I'm, I hope this Kudus thing doesn't fall through because he's he's one of the first. I, I never do this. I never, whenever we sign a player or remove, I never go on like YouTube and watch the highlights because it's just everyone looks like your nan looks good if you've got YouTube highlights for kind of football. <laughs> but he's one where you do want to watch it. Um, and everything that I keep hearing from uh, IX fans is like, this guy is basically talent-wise, dribbling-wise, skill-wise, this guy's as, as good as Messi. But football IQ-wise, horrendously bad. Positioning, effort, when it came to like parts of the season, all that kind of thing. The reason why this excites me, and I know we're not really specifically talking about the signing, we're talking about the group as a whole, but... I think it plays into it. Like Deserby's the guy that I think can bring that, can make up for those those deficiencies. Because I know it's just a boring thing to say and it's overused, but you can't you can't train the skill bit. And if you've got this gem, you can get him around or get him into the Brighton system, get him to understand how we play, get these other more experienced players to get him to want your Lalanas, your Milners, who by the way looked what a relief to see Milner come into that game today and suddenly be like, okay, you idiots, like we're going to actually play this properly and figure this out and I'm going to make up for all the mistakes you're doing. Um, I think it's going to be super exciting. But I also like that we've now created a, a deck of cards that seems to be predominantly made up of jokers. And I mean that in a good sense. like Because previously it was like, well, we had no one to unlock defences under Graham Potter. And we were desperate. Like, remember, not that long ago, we were on this podcast taking... Oh, Undav is going to be our saviour. We need someone. We need someone special. And now we've got a load of a load of them. We've got too many of them. Because there's a scenario that could unfold in this coming season where 
you can start Zhao Pedro up top. You can have Matoma on the left. You can have Kudus playing in behind Zhao Pedro. And then someone like an Enciso or a Mart or whatever. And that's before you even talk about someone like a Dingra coming on, who I think is going to get a decent amount of game time this year as well. Like, how exciting is that? Like, that's a bunch of nutcases playing. And that I'm all for that. And you can put the sensible guys behind them. Have, I don't care if your pivot is Lalana and Milner. And we'll just go back to absolute basics towards the back of the pitch. Put the chaos up top. And I, I agree. Like It's going to be so fun that we can then switch those guys out and play something very, very different and put Evan Ferguson up top, get the ball in high and change up how we're playing. Like It's we're so sport for choice. This is yeah. it's going to be. We've, a we've basically gone. We've gone full Kevin Keegan, haven't we? And I'm, <laughs> I'm just. I'm totally in for it. It's going to be mental. But I think the important point is that, as Josh said, trying to plan for this, because under Potter you could basically close your eyes and you knew what the formation was. You knew who was going to play every week. Here, you don't even know who's going to play every week, and you don't even know what position they're going to play in, because basically they can all play anywhere across the front. So it's going to be a nightmare. And to Adam's point, I think we've already seen what Deserby's done within CISO in a fairly short period of time, which is he's managed to, he's reined his discipline in a hell of a lot from where he first started. You know, he would throw his arms about, he wouldn't track back hugely. And, you know, I'm still not saying he's not perfect at any point, but he, he's got to a point now where he works very hard off the ball. So you can see Deserby's got that ability to take someone like, kudos and and you know apply that pressure and you know what if he doesn't if he doesn't match up to deserve his expectations we know that he wouldn't hesitate to bench him whether you're a 40 oh, million pound signing or not he's gone doesn't well, matter I, uh, by the way it, uh, this is obvious but if he didn't have these defi- if he didn't have the question marks he'd be he'd have been sold to man U for 100 million last year that's exactly why we sign these right. players isn't it <laughs> yeah that's that's what we do we sign players well, with question marks on them and then polish off the question mark and then yeah. sign them for sell them for a hundred million. Yeah. That's kind of the way we work, isn't it? Yeah. It's so, just, I mean, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be hugely money exciting. Now. It's going to be hugely exciting. And I think, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see Buonanotte go out on loan. Potentially, you know, if there's not, if the numbers aren't there, he might be the one to go. Cause he's, he's again, he hasn't, he needs to be similar to Samienta. He needs to be playing regularly particularly his age. I think Ayeri as well, right? You need these guys. Yeah. You can't because you need to go and play a season. Yeah. Yeah. So they're the ones that might go out. But yeah, I mean, it's it's super exciting when you think, you know, when we first got promoted to the Premier League, we were all disappointed on transfer deadline day when Vincent Janssen pulled out at the last minute. And you think, (laughs) well, now we haven't got any strikers. Like to go from there to point of view where you go, you can make a case for us signing a 40 million pound attacker who arguably isn't automatically the first name on the team sheet. Um, I can, I just ask a very quick question because I, you, that that's, you've amused me with that reference because I remember that very well. Cause he ended up going to like Fenerbahce or something, didn't he? Yeah. He went yeah. to Turkey. All right. Who can guess where Vincent Janssen, who is only 29 still, where's he playing at the moment? Who's he played for? There's a quiz question coming in. I mean, I, I want to say it's. I want to say it's like second tier in Germany or something like that. Close-ish. Um, Austria. Craig, any guesses? Well, oh, he's in Belgium, isn't he? Plays at Antwerp in Belgium, who who just mm. won the league. But uh, he he's, 
<laughs> he spent nearly three years at Monterey in the Mexican League and scored wow. 15 goals in 77 appearances. That is a long holiday, isn't it? That is a long holiday. <laughs> yeah. It's That's amazing how nice things change, isn't it? But yeah, it's, it is mad just to think that, you know, we've gone from this point where every window became about can we find a striker to now, you know, we're signing, you know, three or four attackers per window. I mean, let's not dwell on the fact that, def- you know, defensively, we're going to need those attackers to start scoring four or five goals a game. But let's see. Yeah, if Jason still does what he did today, then, yeah, they're going to need, it might be seven or eight. <sighs> yeah. Um, next question, uh, next topic to talk about, and that's the squad we've got right now. Um, there's, there's a fun one uh, that who got the assist Fantasy Premier League podcast that's out there always recommend them they're really fun listen uh they were the guys that made me think i should make a podcast so congrats to them uh for giving birth to this shit show um <laughs> but they they run an arc every year called the talisman theory and they believe there's one player for every team that is kind of that cog and they can find one even in the most kind of organic teams that are supposed to be like everybody's equal they were able to find a talisman and for a long time it's been pascal gross uh pretty much every single year uh for us what with with what we've got going on right now um and the amount of players we've signed my question goes to all of you really uh i'd love to hear all your points of view here on who you think that talisman is for us this year um and they do a lot of stuff in terms of the way they look at it, but my question is going to be a lot simpler. Based on minutes played and best and good results, who do you want to see on that pitch that you think is going to be the one that gets us those results? Um, and if you want to go really easy and just say Lewis Dunk, you can do that. Uh, but if you want to look at those players that are going to be behind the goals, behind the assists, behind the build-up play, integral to the team, you can do that too. Um, Craig, I'll start with you. Who do you who do you envision this season a long season our longest season uh, to to be one of those talismans? Gross is always the shout. I think I just he's he's been the choice for the last few years for a reason, and I I don't particularly see that changing. Um, Jao Pedro is up there. If we if we saw what we have seen in preseason, and that translates into these games in four different cup competitions. Um, then I, I fully expect him to be in amongst the assists and the goals. If we saw today he was playing in that 10 role, um, that lends itself very well to those assists and goals. Um, and I think he's perfect for it. Uh, okay, well, the easy FPL choice that people have seen is is Estupinian, right? So it, just with the amount that he brings and, and what he does, we saw him very inverted today, again, in a, in a friendly regardless, right? Um, but we, we saw him in a, a very strange position today, but he's someone that is always exciting and can help us. But for me, I probably would choose Jao Pedro. And if you're asking me one person that's going to sort of be involved the most and, and be integral to, to what we do this season, um, based on what we've seen in preseason and what he was like at Watford, I, I would choose Jao Pedro for me. Um. Well, I, 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 what are we? What's our definition here? Do, like talisman. There is any whatever you want, whatever you want. The talisman, the one that you when you're when you're when we've drawn 
uh, Feyenoord, and we've got to play them away last Europa League game in the groups, and we need to beat them to yeah. go through. Yeah. Which player are you wanting to hoping in October to look at the team sheet and go, this is the guy I want on it that I would feel most comfortable that we're going to win that game because he's playing. Andy Zakiri probably. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I, I honestly, I, I think it, I think it might be James Milner for me. Um, not exciting. Not least. So would you say the squad or you actually say in the 11? James Milner playing in the start. Yeah. In the 11. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, fairly dull all around never been particularly exciting but we are going to need um based on what we were just saying you've got all these exciting players that are coming in and of course you can you can i mean it's your matomas and kudos and all this kind of stuff right yeah these these guys can win you games single-handedly but this system will fall apart without level-headed players supporting them. And for me, Milner is going to embody that this season. I think, I really think a combination of him and Lalana and Dunk's experience, that sort of triumvirate um, that might exist there, you'll see their importance this year, given that we're going to need to do things this club and this team and these players have never done before. That's me. For FPL, I'm picking Jao Pedro. Obviously not Milner, he's rubbish. <laughs> Robin um, yeah my initial answer was going to be Jao Pedro um, but to your it, it's you've you've posed it in a slightly different way which is almost if you're in a crunch moment who do you want to be the one to deliver something when you need a goal or you need a moment yeah which I mean is, look it's at, a look slightly at different definition right? of like, it it is. Look at look at Argentina, right? Like you know that like no matter how washed he got, like you wanted Messi on that field, right? Like even if well, I mean he ended up carrying them to the World Cup anyway. But for a lot of these teams, like you're like, okay, like I want blah 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 on that pitch regardless. Uh for a large part of last season for better or worse, for example, Jamie Vardy was that for Leicester, but for worse mostly. But those sort of players that you think okay, he's done it in the past, he's, he can do it in the future, he's the one we want. And Jao Pedro can fit that bill as well, by the way. He was captain at Watford and basically carried them yeah, to a mid-table or whatever it is. So, like, if you wanted to go with him, like, it it tracks. Like, it's there's no wrong answer to this, really. I mean, I'm still going Pascal Gross. Simply because you look at the number of clutch goals that he scores. I mean, look at the Southampton game. You know, it went from, it was nearly 2-2. You know, it was a toenail away from being 2-2. It gets very nervous. Europe's pretty much on the line. Who's the calmest man in the ground who, who you know, pops up with a goal to, to wrap it up when you need it? I mean, it, I love the symmetry of, you know, he scored our first Premier League goal. And, you know, ever since then, you know, that Chelsea game as well, you know, the 4-1. Not that there was any kind of doubt in the result, but again, who pops up to absolutely seal it beyond any doubt? Pascal Gross. Who scores at Old Trafford when we haven't won there before? Pascal Gross. Who took I mean, a selfie? It's a boring answer. Session in Rutgers. Pascal. <laughs> well, exactly. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a boring answer, but you know, <laughs> yeah. he 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 has consistently shown across from pretty much the first game of us being in the Premier League, he has consistently been the one to pop up in a big moment and i don't see that changing i mean if you look at the minutes he's played in this preseason, 
he seems to have. I, don't know, I haven't looked at the stats, but I'd imagine he's play, he's played just as many, if not more, minutes than anybody else. So I still think he's going to be the he's going to be the clutch player. Who's yours, Josh? Uh, well, it was going to be Jar Pedro or Pascal Gross. Uh, so <laughs> I'll just exit stage left. I think. Um, I guess I'll do, I'll I'll say one more thing. Uh, that's that is the boring one as well, and. It is the fact that my faith in our back five falls apart without Lewis Dunk in it. We look a much dodgier team at the back without Lewis Dunk in it. Mm-hmm. Um, we looked, we saw it all preseason. Uh, we saw it towards the end where he took that knock and we made the changes we had to, and he just, we just looked bereft of leadership at the back. Um, we desperately need someone in there that can cover that somewhat. Uh, whoever that's going to be in the future, I do not know. Um, but if you're in, again, like a crunch moment, um, Pascal Gross is one of those people that I would put up there massively for every reason that, that Robin's just noted uh, and you guys have talked about as well. But if I, if we're lining up in a, in a Europa League game or an FA Cup semi-final and Lewis Dunk isn't there, I'm very, very scared. Um, yeah. So... It's a crap the answer, other, really, because I wanted the other two, but you've all robbed them. So the curveball I'd throw in is potentially the one who might be a surprising talisman might be Billy, Billy Gilmore. He could. He's be. done it for Scotland. You know, he's been in that. Yeah, no man of the match against England. You know, he's he's done it in these massive games for Scotland, where he has held it all together when it shouldn't have been held together. So I wouldn't. It's not beyond the bounds of possibility. You know, if Caicedo goes. We know we're not going to be able to replace him with a single player. Billy Gilmore might get a lot more football. And he's certainly got... He seems to have the steel to be able to handle the big moments for Scotland. So he's one that I wouldn't be surprised if he stepped up in big moments. young, but very level-headed. I, I, I agree with you. I could definitely see him partnering a Lalana, partnering a Milner as the pivot. And you feeling pretty happy about that against a big team. Um, whereas, as we probably saw today, and as Craig uh, said last time around, when I was talking about him definitely being in the starting level, now I look like an absolute tit as usual. Dahu <laughs> looks doesn't look like he's picked things up quite yet. Like when he was playing with his back to goal and receiving the ball to his feet out from the defence, he was clueless. Um, almost, almost like he does want to be further forward a little bit. Dahu, um, yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I, did you, by the way, I know we're recording while the the, I don't what even if it's called charity shield community shield whatever the crap trophy is, but Cole yeah. Palmer scored a hell of a goal and uh, there's still still lots of bubbling beneath the surface about him coming to Brighton. Uh, I don't know if they're going to yeah. give him up after that, but yeah, it's a weird one, isn't it? Um, that whole the whole everything to do with Man City and Brighton this summer has been very weird, like very like just shady. Um, there's definitely conversations going on there. I just don't know to what extent. Um, yeah, it's it's just a really strange one. Um, let's well, we've talked about the strengths of the team an awful lot, so let's go to the more negative side of things and the places and positions in the team that scare you. Uh, and I'll go first. Uh, right back scares the ever living shit out of me in this Brighton over Albion team. I'll tell you why because when you watch Purvis' opinion at left back, it is majestic. The runs he makes, the style of play that it suits him. Like, we 
do not have anyone remotely close to what Estepinion offers on that left-hand side on the right right now. It should be Lamptey. He's not even in the squad. Uh, so whether he's on his way out or he's hurt again, um, or whether he's just not up there with match fitness, which is also a worry. Well, right? he's bringing in, he's the secret agent to bring Kudus in. We can't we can't get Kudus in and then get rid of our <laughs> other uh, now Ghanaian player. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, absolutely. Um, they're both Ghanaian, so why would he not? He just definitely understands the Ghanaian life like Kudu stuff. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, for me, right back is still, like, this glaring hole uh, for me. And I know people would like another centre-half uh, and backup at full-back, but for me, like, we don't have a right... Pascal Gross is not a right-back. I'm sorry, I love him to death. And I, we've just talked about at length how important he is to this Brighton side. But for me, Pascal Gross is not a right back. Can he play there? Yeah. Should he? No. Like he's got like four of the positions on the pitch that he's better at and can be much more useful at. And you're not going to pop up with those clutch goals and clutch assists at right back as much. Joel Veltman, can he do it? Yeah, he's done it a little bit under Potter. Fine. Lamptey, just... We don't know what the hell is going on with him. Would love him to be the answer, but it doesn't seem he is. Like, pl- someone please, like, tell me I'm not, like, going mental here. Like, we need a right back, do we not? Like, is that something that someone would hope to see us sign before the end of this window? Yeah, I'd, I'd be very surprised if we don't sign a right back before the end of the window. I have slightly more confidence in Veltman. I mean, that game at the Amex against Palace, you know, he had Zahar in his pocket. And Zaha's probably still in his pocket. So he can do it against, you know, the quicker, skillful, more skillful players. Kirkland would I want him to do it? Veltman, isn't he, really? Yeah, it's I mean, he could have been a shout for that. Um, yeah. Would I want him doing it every... Does he have the ability to, and the consistency to do it every week? Probably not. So I, I partly agree with you, Josh, but I think I'd be, I would be staggered if we got to the end of the window without having signed another right back. Craig? What do you think? Right back, yay or nay? Do you think that we're happy where we are or do you think that we'll no. be going in and grabbing someone? I, th- I think we need a right back. I think the type of right back is going to be quite a defensive one. Um, I think the asymmetry between Estepinion and our right back is probably deliberate, right? Your, your Pascal Gross comes into an inverted centre mid. Like, what you don't want is two Estepinions on each side because no. it, it's not going <laughs> to work. So... So, I actually do want that. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah the, the whole... may, I, may I introduce you to Sammy Huppier? Yeah. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, the whole one goal more, right, technique is probably going to work with the amount of forwards that we have too. But I think it's obviously deliberate that you have a mildly defensive sort of right back that moves into that midfield. And that's why Pascal Gross works that way. And that's why Veltman works that way. So, yes, do we need another right back? Um, is it going to be someone as exciting as as Estepinion or or, or another it, it won't be uh, and I think it's by design so uh, I would I would love to see another right back come in um, and and have more backup in there if Feltman's injured I don't want Gross playing there I don't want someone like Caicedo or someone else deputizing there um, I'd much rather see someone uh, fit for purpose yeah I, I think it might be more of a project that we bring in a, a youngster um more than anything else because I agree with you but you can put Milner back there you can put Pascal Gross back there you can put these guys back there 
Um, and again, like you said, we, we still don't know what the future holds for Tarek Namti. I, I would love to see a bit of a redemption arc from him. Um, but yeah, question marks heavily there. But the other thing is, uh, it's not like we're set at left back either. Because SD Opinion's fantastic. But he played a lot of football last year. He's going to have to play even more this, this next year. And if he picks up a knock, who are you playing at left back? You're in the same bloody situation as on the right side, but maybe worse because you're back to lobbing Milner back there or someone else, right? A left back? To be fair to Milner, he played almost like almost constantly uh, at left back for Liverpool for the last couple of years. That's one of the worst defences in the top part of the table. For, yeah, <laughs> that's weird, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> there's Trent bombing up. There's Milner like trying to play five different positions. Van Dijk tripping over himself. But yeah, no, it's fair. But I don't think that's where you really, truly want to play Milner, is it? I know he came on in the friendly just now to play left back, but I think that's more just because Deserby's like, let's just lob you on, where can you go? Um, it'd be nice if we could maybe pick someone up that has the ability to play with both feet and could, could deputise at right back and left back. Um, but I don't know how often those guys come around. I, I did want to point out, though, because I was looking at this a little bit earlier, because you could argue that we've we've you look at who we brought in and, and you're excited by the, some of the, the names and the money that we've spent, but net transfer wise this, this season, we've only spent what 5 million euros because of the money we got from Mac and now the money we got for Sanchez. Um, now, of course this doesn't include this, this potential subsequent Kudus deal, which is a lot of money, but it also doesn't include the potential subsequent Caicedo deal, which is even crap load more money. And let's not forget, we're still in the owe ourselves number from last year where we, we banked a load of money, didn't sign a lot. So uh, point being here is that do I do we think there's going to be a right back, left, left back or someone that will come in? Yeah, we've got a lot of money knocking about. There's a lot of money sloshing about before we even sell Caicedo. Somewhere Paul Barber is like scratching his hair, what's left of his hair. Insisting <laughs> yeah, it won't take him long, yeah because uh, he loves saying how poor we are sometimes um yeah anything else we want to touch on uh in the in the actual playing squad itself before we get to more about brighton's outlook in the league and competitions i last i will say one last thing so i don't know about you guys but i feel better about this i know it's obvious to say this but better about the squad than I ever have in recent memory about any squad that we've gone into a season with depth wise. I know we've just talked about, but normally we would come on this pre-season preview show and say, we've got gaps here. We've got a gap here. We've got a gap here. No one scores goals. I, I look at this now and uh, every position feel is more now just about adding some depth, a little bit of depth. Yeah. I think with the exception of right back, we are stacked everywhere. Um, yeah. Which is insane. Really? Uh, all right, perfect. So um, another one of the topics we wanted to touch on was just some key fixtures that popped up in the calendar for you when you first saw the fixture list. Uh, any particular runs that put some fear into you? Uh, I'll go first on this one because um, I'm just going to be selfish and take it. Um, October uh, looks yep. very, very scary. Uh, we play Manchester City and Liverpool and two of our Europa League games in October. Um, Don't forget, thirtieth of September is Villa too away. Yep, that that run there, spanning from Villa to Liverpool to Man City to two Europa League games early on in the season too, um, is going to be a time in which, and I don't know where the Carabao Cup 
games fall in in there as well because obviously if we continue to progress they do come thick and fast early on um that run is when we are going to be looking at those 10 attackers uh and thinking thank god we have (laughs) we have 10 attackers don't you think uh, the, the other one that I, I'm stealing this one from someone as well because I agree with you. But <laughs> have you looked at the end of the tail end of the season? It's an absolute minefield. I was just about to look at. Yeah. I always look at the end, like the last of the three or four games. It's like, where are we going to get our points from if it gets a little bit dicey for wherever our expectations are? And ending with Villa, Newcastle, and Manchester United um, is. Not ideal, but it starts so early. Like the the the, the terror starts early on. <laughs> like don't. So when we get to all, into this season, into the meat of it, and we start getting all cocky because we're like, oh look at us, we're going to finish fourth. Wait, because six, from the sixteenth of March, you've got Man City, Liverpool away, Brentford away, Arsenal, Burnley away, Chelsea, Bournemouth away. Never fun. Villa, Newcastle, Man United. I don't want to play any of those teams. I don't want to do any no. of that. And, and then, of course, we're going to be in the finals like, of the Europa like, League at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> and an FA Cup run. To yeah. About. <laughs> yeah, that's a heinous. What a horrible run. And we'll be and hung a, over from having won the Carabao Cup. So I was going to say, like, we've had a cup final played already. Like, it's so insane. But it is, it is. But, I mean, I think, you know, Deserby's had these, you know, he started his, you know, when he first joined, he started from a run, you know, a run from, him straight in at gone. possible. Oh, he's he's back. back. He got so excited he disconnected. I, did. I was saying, Deserbe, <laughs> you know, when Deserbi joined, he, you know, he joined into a run that was horrendous. So he's ha- he's got form when it comes to this. He knows what's coming. Yeah, watch us win all those, and we'll lose the little run where we've got like West Ham, Wolves, Luton, and Palace, and that will be the the mark of the season where it goes horribly wrong. <laughs> yeah. Pow shit to Dallas look, by the way. If we had, I mean, we had a rough one, didn't we, last season at the end of the season, talking about the way Deserby manages it. Um, he did a hell of a job putting out, <laughs> no disrespect to him, because some of these players are great players, but he did a good job of putting out much weaker sides against teams that he didn't see as gettable. Do you get yeah. what I mean? Like he put, he put teams, he put a team out at Newcastle that. There's no one on Cosgreen can convince me Deserby thought he was going to win that game with that starting 11 he threw it out there. I think he hoped they could through the power of love or something, but like it was... I think Man City away did similar, didn't they? Yeah. Memory. It was a really bizarre team that he picked. It's difficult when you've got, run, when you've got a consistent run of that. You, you can't start the run doing that because if you lose the first two or three in that run, then you're in trouble. So I think it'll be very interesting. It just lends its... I, say, I wouldn't be surprised, like Adam said, I wouldn't be surprised if we won all of those. I wouldn't, equally, I wouldn't be surprised if we lost all of them. It's the beauty of, <laughs> it's the beauty of Deserby. Got no idea. By the way, God knows what we're going to... The team is going to... We might have a new manager, new stuff at that point. Because think about the start of last season and how it ended. Like, think yeah. how everything that we said at the start of last season was utterly devoid and irrelevant <laughs> about By like, like four months in. <laughs> yeah we hadn't even yeah. got to the world cup yet and everything went to shit yeah like, just hard reset um yeah it's insane um can you think of a kinder opening run though that then than what august looks like for brighton 
Luton, Wolves and West Ham, who we traditionally play wonderfully against. And we'll get to the teams at large, but West Ham being West Ham, we're already good at beating the shit out of them. And they have had a disaster class this summer. Um, That's a really nice opening three, isn't it? Luton at Luton, totally different story. First game of the season, big banana skin. Luton at Brighton, followed by Wolves, followed by West Ham. It's a really nice trio to start off with, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. 100%. Nine points. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then no, we're it's nine really points. points. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I'm with Jinx you. It's going to be nine points. I mean, yeah. Wolves and West Ham look shocking, don't they? So, yeah. It's, if you chose your opening three fixtures, I think that those three would have been up there. Yeah, they would. Yeah, they would. Yeah. I'm not going to be at the Wolves game, at uh, the West Ham either game. I'm gutted because the last, the only one I went to last season at the Amex. Uh, but it's all in weekend, Craig. So I'm going there instead. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah, that's fair enough. I don't even know what um, that is. It's a uh, wrestling. Of course, it is. Yeah, yeah. At Wembley though, be fun. Be fun. Fun show. Um, all right, perfect. Any other any other games that stick out that you want to talk about? You mentioned how bad Palace look. I think yeah. going there two days before Christmas is going to be fun. That, that rivalry right is going to be weird this year. Because we, we, we should be going into these Palace games now, depending on if they like pull off a hell of a signing, fully expecting to batter them, in my opinion. We have been for a few years. Yeah, but there was always the Zaha factors when he was fit and all this kind of stuff. You always worried. But I don't know. I don't know. Oh, famous last words isn't it really but i don't know how worried i would be I, I honestly think there's more chance of them finishing the relegation zone than there is in the top 10 i don't think that's even a bold statement to make no that's not a bold statement we know that they'll probably they'll they'll get to february or march they'll sack roy hodgson and then they'll bring in roy hodgson or something <laughs> mental like that. and then they'll finish 13th <laughs> like it's just it's just what's going to happen Trossard just scored for Arsenal in the 101st minute, the 11th minute of stoppage time to go to extra time. <laughs> so the the one listener we probably had is just left. But sorry, I don't mean to cut you. Um, but I mean, it'll be interesting. I mean, Palace without Zahar will be interesting because they won't be able to, they're going to be forced to not have all their eggs in one basket. If they lose Elise, which it looks like I was like going to say, because then they're in big trouble. Because Eze, as good as he is, he's got a pretty dicey injury record. And Elise's um, going, isn't he? Like, isn't that his, sounds his, like? So yes, like almost. He's got yeah. a release clause that's incredibly reasonable. Is the issue like thirty-five million or something? Isn't it something like that? Is it Chelsea um, buying him? Yeah, Chelsea were interested. It is, in yeah, it. I mean, it's always um, Chelsea. So. Yeah, obviously. But yeah, I mean, they could be. This could be the year that they that they go down and. What you know, they'll have nothing to show for it. Infrastructure-wise, you know, they, they talked about this mythical stand. You know, this new stand they're going to build. Um, they, you know, they are the only Premier League club that have a Sainsbury's attached to them, which is just like <laughs> <laughs> just that. It's so. It's just so budget. Like they've, they will go down. They'll have been in the Premier League for what? When did they go up? 2013, 2014, something like that. So they'd have been time, in. Yeah. They'll have been in for 10 years and they will have nothing to show for it. I mean, that's how I felt about Bournemouth too when they went down. And still, yeah. now they've came back up and they've kind of changed their identity a little bit and they look slightly better well-run playing staff-wise. Uh, but mm. infrastructure-wise, like 
I feel like we are so privileged coming from the realm of Brighton of Albion and the way Tony prioritized structure above all else to build upon, yeah. right? But like to me, it just seems like mind-blowingly obvious that that's where you should focus on. And when you've got all that money coming in from the Prem sooner than you realize, it blows my mind that Bournemouth have done absolutely nothing with it. Do you remember how sad everyone was when we didn't sign Odson Edward? Yeah. I know. Yeah, remember that? Not that long ago, yeah. was it? But they did just sign some Brazilian that everyone's freaking out about. Uh, Mateus, this isn't a Palace podcast, but yeah, Mateus Franca. They've really, they've got like two, three players where you think they're frankly Premier League worthy and, and Eze and Gahey and those kind of guys. And outside of that, they have an absolute toilet, don't they? Yeah, they are dreadful. Yeah, let's cool. let's go around the league. Uh, let's go around the league a little bit. Um, but first, let's talk about our league finish. Um, and we'll come back and look at this at the end of the season and laugh at how absolutely useless we all are. Um, but you've got a 1 in 20 chance of getting it right, uh, statistically speaking. 1 in 19 <laughs> if you don't think that we're going to win the league. Um, we'll start with you, Adam. Uh, oh. Where... Because I knew you'd hate to be first, so now yeah. I knew I knew you'd hate it. Um, so where do you think you've got it? You've got us. I don't want any smart comments. Not like well, you won't get any of those fence sitting. Like you've got it. You can. You just have a number. By the that's end all of it, it, that's all. That's all you're allowed. Of, by the end of your your thought process, I've got to have a number from you. Okay. <laughs> give me you gotta give me a moment here. I need to I forgot who plays in the Premier League. Hold on. Shall I just right. give you whilst Craig, he's thinking, Craig. shall I just give you a number? Because I'm not even gonna give you any commentary behind it. I'm literally just gonna give you a number. Perfect. Ninth. Craig, do you have a number to mind? Yeah. I I'm gonna go tenth. Alright. Alright. I'll go at eighth. I am also going eighth. So we are a very positive podcast, fellas. I remember that lad on Twitter said we were super negative. We should refer him to this segment. Well, hold on. Isn't this deemed as negative? We're talking about a drop-off of at least We are regressing, yeah. Yeah. The audacity of thinking Europe. We're also, I think, yeah, we're we're going to assume that. So it depends. I'm not taking ninth if it means X. Oh, no commentary. These are all the commentary. Yeah, I know. I know. I get well. I said to you, I would give you, I would give you the place without any commentary to justify the place. I'm now just commenting on. It. <laughs> well, let's, if, let's talk that then. Do we make it out of the Europa group stage? Yes or no? Yes. Yeah. 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 I think so too. FA Cup and Carabao Cup. Where's the? What's the deepest we go in each tournament? Don't care. I fancy us. I mean, Carabao Cup arguably not as deep because it's the Europe. You know, it's the early step. The games coming thick and fast before Christmas. Depend. I think we've got more chance of going deeper in the FA Cup. Yeah, I think so too. I can see us hitting another semi-final in the FA Cup. I don't think that we'll do much of anything in the Carabao, and I think Deserby will be livid about it again. <laughs> <laughs> and it will be quite funny for everyone to just watch him have a meltdown when we lose like to Forest Green on pens because Jack Mitchell yeah. would skied one. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I think that'll be uh, about how it goes. Let's talk about uh, teams around the league um, and really just any notable no- notable uh, transfers that have come in uh, that 
really just stand out to you that you think, okay, right, that's an interesting move, whether it's internal or whether it's just something that you've seen any other team make uh, that stood out to you? Good business, bad business, Kai Havertz for £75 million, for example. Uh, you know, any comments you, you want to make? I'm going to start with like the that. obvious, which is that Luton don't appear to have really signed anyone who is anything like Premier League quality. I mean, I wasn't expecting them to be, you know, signing world beaters, but even by the standards of smaller teams that come up, they just seem weak in terms of depth and quality. Yeah, but can I remind you that Heath Chong has been a special card on FIFA <laughs> for like a good couple of years at this point. So uh, you never know. <laughs> you do never know. Like, it feels like Luton as a team and they're they're our first game as well so we we can cover them a little bit it feels like Luton are signing players that are going to put them as a perennial top eight championship team when they're inevitably relegated don't we think yeah and isn't that smart yeah right like I do I think you immediately spend money on the infrastructure because they genuinely have to for Premier League standards but but also just (laughs) but sustainability in that infrastructure i think you you look at your your fulhams of the past and your yo-yo teams right it's i don't know if it's refreshing to see a team attack it in a different way we you know but it's interesting you you play within your means because like you said robin they're they're not going to go out and be able to attract these type of players and the premier league's just far too big now um and and the chasm between the championship and the prem is growing year on year so for them to go out and buy young or established championship players, see if they can make the level up. And if they do, fantastic. If they don't, they're still on the books. And then you become a top half championship team every year. Um, it's, it's realistic for me. And yeah, it's well done. Can't... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The other, the mo- the other, the only one I'm going to flag, which is the most bizarre one of the window, is probably William, who was released by Fulham at the end of last season, looked like he was going to go and sign for Forest turned out he was only doing that because he wanted a better deal at Fulham then signed for Fulham and is now going to Saudi Arabia <laughs> what an absolute <laughs> legend <laughs> Which, actually, maximizing yeah. his, his money yeah that I mean well smart. I mean well played but yeah that's a bizarre one it's a very bizarre one and then as a serious as a serious one um I think Jackson at Chelsea looks like a <laughs> looks like he's going to be a very good yeah he's had a good, good pre-season isn't he yeah looks very very good I'll tell you who I think has done some really smart business this summer, and I hate it because I don't particularly like them as a team because I always just remember them as cheats. Um, Bournemouth have done some really smart... They're, they're trying to go down the Brentford-Brighton route, I think, of this younger players with a lot of talent but a lot of question marks. Uh, so Favre from Lyon, Cleaver from Roma, Traore from Sassuolo. Uh, you've got a lot of players there 12 9 20 15 million quid like they're classic brighton signings of the lacardia ali razor bisuma era where they only need to hit on one or two and they're not going to be in a relegation battle with what is a really poor we'll get to that too a really poor bottom half of the premier league this season don't you think i think they've i i, I think their moves have been really smart um and I think it's going to be interesting to see well. what they do. I mean, Smart-wise, managerial-wise, smart appointment, I think. Uh, 
the one that stood out to me a little bit is uh is villa have made some interesting moves uh and i think there we really do need to look at villa now as as you've got your six plus newcastle and then we're in that little realm there with with villa um uh, Musa Diaby for a lot of money, Pal Torres who come very highly regarded, Tielemans for nothing. Um, you know who knows how they'll sort of organise all this and figure it out. But I, I, they already had some bright sparks in that team, and they've already got the manager that is very impressive. Um, and they, they've got the hardest bit figured out as well, right? They've got they've got the Ollie Watkins who 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 came good. Uh, last season so I know when I think we're doing our predictions this was what I kind of wanted to kind of think about because I don't I, the Chelsea blip won't happen again in my opinion especially after all the signings that they've made you you, you think Newcastle are probably going to continue to go from strength to strength um, the only really big one out of the top so the big one out of the top six that you think would probably be at risk of, of falling out is if Spurs sell Harry Kane and then invest it stupidly which they will um, and, and then who knows what will happen there? But they probably would get replaced by your Newcastle, by your Villa. Um, it's crazy, isn't it? Because while we talk about money ostracizing teams to a bigger and bigger standard in the Premier League, you could almost argue that we now have, at least to like the media point of view, especially in the experts' point of view, right? Like we're looking at it and we're probably not thinking this, but like. If you look at it, really, does we probably have like a a decided top nine in the Premier League right now? Like that's mad, isn't it? Because I would put Villa, Newcastle, and from the outside looking in, there's no way that people don't consider us one of those three because they do. They're always talking about us with Newcastle and Villa. Yeah, it's going to be as tough a battle in the top half as what seemingly your dogs are having in the background. Uh, it's <laughs> every <laughs> every time I come on this podcast, yeah, they just think they have a little Barney. Yeah, yeah. And, that, and that's why I do think our expectations do need to be. We're going to have the maniacs of the fan base right there. Like, oh, we finished six. We got to do no. Just stop it. Like, embed ourselves as a top ten unit over time. Continue. And if you if you do that. That is the ticket to dreamland because it's just, it's nutty in this league. It really is. As long as we get away from this melee towards the bottom half, which we're on the real right path to continuing to do that is, 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 is massive. And that, that bottom half looks shocking. I think just in, in, I mean, I was just trying to think my bottom three, which I know we're about to come on to. I mean, I've been—I've only been thinking about it for about forty-five seconds, and I've already changed my mind about four times. Um, it's it, bad. I mean, there could be—it's. Who's the worst really... team in the league? Luton. Luton, right? yeah, Luton. <laughs> second worst. Second worst is up there. I mean, it could be. I'll give you my bottom three then. Maybe that's the easiest. I'm going. Luton. Wolves. Sheffield United. That's that's probably my three as well. I, th- Ooh, I think. Okay. I think West Ham and West Ham and Everton will be down there. West as well. Ham could. I would say West. I've literally. I I had West Ham in it until Sheffield United came out of my mouth. <laughs> I, I Everton are well in it for me. Yeah. yeah. I, it's that the Sean Dyche effect, though, isn't it? 
Like I, I just I think he'll he has enough about him. He'll make him run ragged preseason, and they'll they'll outdo. There are three worst teams in Everton for me, and that, yeah. that's how I'm that's how I'm sort of looking at it. And I, mean, I think you could put Forest in there. You could put Palace in there. I mean, I was going to say it's wishful thinking, but are there mm. three worse teams than Palace right now with their outgoings and the sheer lack of incomings? Uh, like, like you look at that squad, it is a shocking squad. Yeah, I think you can make especially an argument. if they I think, do lose Elise. I think you can make an argument for Luton and Wolves definitely being worse than Palace. I don't. What's the Wolves hate? I don't actually think they're all that. Yeah, bad. I don't think I don't think they'll be that bad either. Well, they were saying they've financially. I mean, uh, their manager is on the brink of walk, nearly walking away again, having not having decided not to walk away. In priest, they just haven't got the money. I mean, they've yeah, lost but, Neves, but that makes me feel Traore. better about they've, their chances. That's consistency for them. Yeah, I mean, I think <laughs> look at who they've lost. They've lost, you know, they've lost Neves. They've lost Traore. They've lost Jimenez. Um, Jimenez is a junk at this point. He does he's not been the same? But they're, they're, but they're actively not investing that money. I think that's that's the key yeah, thing is yeah. that they're, they're they're losing with no reinvestment. And I think the the owner or the chairman came out and said, "There's there's no room for us to invest." So didn't they sign Cunha? Well, I guess that was sort of off the back of. Mm. Didn't they pay fifty million for him? Something like that. Bonkers. But that's how I view Palace too. Like they're not reinvesting any of that money. No. But apart from Zaha, they've got the same team, haven't they? If Belize goes, it's a different conversation. Yeah. But that their defensive, unfortunately, was quite solid and probably saved them from being further down than they were. And as long yeah. as you as long as you keep Gehi and Anderson, I know I, I hate fucking saying this, but like <laughs> they they were more solid than probably people give them credit for. And I think yeah, they would definitely. worm out of being in the bottom three. So hold yeah. on, what was the bottom three? Luton. I went with Luton. I went Luton, Wolves, Sheffield United. Craig, did you say I, the exact same? I'm, I'm going the same. I think the only thing I would change is Wolves for West Ham. Okay, so Luton, Sheffield United, and I went Wolves. Wolves. Luton, I'll go. Sheffield I'll go. United. I'll go West Ham just to be just for a different opinion. Yeah. Adam. Luton, Sheffield United, and Palace. Hmm. That's what I was going to go for. I really do think they'll go down. So we're both. But I really want to go. And those uh, I really want to go Everton. I, I'm going to go Everton. Actually, I'm going to okay. take Palace out and go. Is Everton. that just so that their first state, their first season in their new ground would be in the Championship? <laughs> it's just because I think they've been. They are similar to Saints. They are a team that have been living on the edge yeah. for way too long now. And ironic, and Burnley, and a couple of others. And ironically enough, Deitch could only do so much. For Everton, in the same way that he could only do so much for Burnley, um, and I think that although I rate Deutsch, and I agree with you, Craig, that like the Deutsch effect is a thing, and I think that's why they stayed up this season. I just they've not invested at all; they've done nothing, um, and a lot of their players are like they're literally going to roll out Neil Mope. That's that's their answer. They like, signed Ashley Young. What are you talking about? I mean, the the relegation thirty eight. Prolific rele- relegation guy. Yeah, I mean, they've, they've brought in relegated manager Sean Dyche. They've brought in relegated whatever he is, left back, left wing, whatever he plays nowadays, Ashley Young. Like, they're not equipping themselves as a team that they should be. And Mashiri or whoever it is their owner is, is like beyond dodgy as well, isn't he? Like, yeah. it, it just keeps getting dodgier and dodgier. I think like, the annoying thing for them, well, for us, is 
pick is Pickford's always worth like he's worth he's always the difference isn't he points wise the saves that he comes up with in big games I, I don't think Everton are going to be anywhere near the relegation zone I, I, I think Do you mean they're, they're going to be bottomed by loads? <laughs> 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 I, I, the quality of their first eleven compared to some of the other teams that we've been talking about is is night and day. You've got, the, as you say, Pickford. You've got the the England goalkeeper. You've got some decent uh, defenders there, albeit questionable. There was a period of time in last season at the start of it where Everton had one of the best defenses in the league. Um, you've got Tarkovsky there, uh, depending on how they play. I personally really rate Ducore. They've got Adrissa Gay, who I think is very good as well. Um, and Calvert-Lewin, if he can, question mark, question mark, stay healthy. Demarai Gray showed really good flashes last season. They signed on at Danjuma. Who knows? But if you compare that to <laughs> like Luton or Sheffield United, it's not close for me. I mean, no. Before we they move on be to the top there. four, before we move on to the top four, one simple yes or no question: Do Luton, I was going to say break, but I suppose they're not breaking anything. Will Will Luton get the least amount of points in Premier League history this season? No. Mm-mm. Adam, I literally couldn't tell you one Luton player, so I don't know. Uh, no, I don't think they will either, but. They do make good, question, good question then. <laughs> yeah, they're they're at risk though, aren't they? They they are one of the yeah. worst teams I've seen in a while. I just think that the rest yeah. of them are so bad. A couple, oh, I guess a yeah, to Heath Strong. Yeah, sorry, gone Craig. Oh yeah, no, I know. Yeah, they're they're a couple of very smart loans away from being borderline competitive, right? I think once once people find out their elevens from you know your top six or your top ten of the prem, I think it's a great destination to to put your non-starters. So I think that's probably what they're looking for. Yeah, uh, let's talk other end of the table. Um, are we all just get the boring one out of the way? Do we all think Manchester City is going to win the league again this year? I do. They just lost on penalties. They got their bottle with well, it. Game changer. Um, oh no! <laughs> what are they going to do with that community shield? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, I think they. Will. Yeah, City win. City win. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yes. All right. Yeah, perfect. Who's going to round out the top four for you this year? I'll go. Um, Arsenal. Newcastle. Oh, and I'm going to say Liverpool. Okay. Arsenal, Liverpool, United. I think. Adam. Uh, I think Chelsea comes second. I think Chelsea come th- second. I think Arsenal come third. Uh, and and I, I I really don't get why everyone's impressed with Liverpool. I don't I don't think they're going to be good this year. Oh, that's going to bite me in the ass. So yeah, I'll say I'll say Newcastle fourth as well. Uh, I am going with annoyingly that Chelsea will be in that top four as well. Um, but I'm going to have Liverpool because I do think they'll do. Uh, there's no way they're going to be as bad as last year. Uh, Chelsea and Liverpool are both in that mindset for me. There's no way they can be as bad as last year. Um, and I don't really rate United's transfer business at all. Um, so for me, yeah, Liverpool, Chelsea and Arsenal as well, because I think that Arteta is going to have them coming out swinging. Um, but I think City are just going to roll over them anyway. Um all right, perfect. Easy peasy then. That was easy. Uh, one player now onto Fantasy Premier League. Uh, 
Adam is incredibly talented at this game. He loves it. Uh, who do you recommend <laughs> should be in your fantasy Premier League team? Uh, one from Brighton and then one from any other team that is either, and you can't pick Haaland because I'm not having that. Please go in first. Well, you spoke, so you're in. Oh. Uh, <laughs> one from us. It's got to be gross, I think, this year. Ooh. Why? He's, he's, not in my, he's not in my top five. Interesting. Same. I'm going gross. Don't care what anyone else says. Um, <laughs> and then... Uh, Second outside, outside of Haaland... Gonna also, I'm going to have a similarly bizarre suggestion. I'm going to say Trippier. Okay. That's much less bizarre than Pascal Gross, in my opinion. It was the top-scoring player last season for Brighton, though, wasn't he? Pascal Gross? Top-scoring midfielder, at least. Craig? Was, yeah. Jal yeah. Uh, Pedro. Um, I think 5.5 is quite nice to alongside the the aforementioned Haaland. I think it's he's going to be playing most games and I think he's going to be involved the most. Um outside I'll go left field as well. I do think Chelsea are going to be good this year, even though I just literally didn't pick them for the top four. Um I'm going to choose Ben Chilwell um in in sort of in the defense. I think he's he's a he's a Pochettino player through and through and he's going to be bombing up that left side. Adam well, Hudder, you, you never, you always go light. You're up. You, you've got to go. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm <laughs> absolutely livid. Um, all right. So for me, I'm going to say the same uh, as uh, Craig with the Brighton player. I think you can't look any further than Jao Pedro. 5.5, like you say, it plays off the Haaland 14, like so wonderfully well. Um, that it just makes so much sense. Uh, he's 0.5 cheaper than Ferguson, and like we're not even sure if Ferguson will start. And looks, and he's on penalties. And yeah, 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 yeah. It's just outrageous for me. Um, I think for me, uh, the one that doesn't play for, for Brighton um, is going to be Douglas Louise at Villa. Only 5.5. Played a lot for Emery. Was. He must be. I mean, he played 33 games last season anyway, but Emery made him an actually pretty good midfielder. Uh, got six goals, seven assists. All of that was under Emery. Feels like at 5.5, he's a real cheeky little foil in there for if you want to get your Rashfords and your Salahs, like if you actually want to try and find out how that's going to work with a Salah Harlan combo. Um, I like him. I like him a lot in that group. He's on free kicks and stuff and corners, right? So, again, for the set pieces, especially Torres, Mings, everyone. Solid. Mings was in there until they signed Torres, but I think Mm -hmm. Mings is going to struggle to find game time now because Torres is the left-sided midfielder Mings dreams of being. Yeah. (laughs) Adam. All right. Uh, (laughs) Well, I think... Yeah, it's Jao Pedro, obviously, that we, with, especially with the penalty thing, as you mentioned. He, he took the penalty in the preseason game. McAllister, our penalty taker's gone. Uh, if that's going to be the theme, then it's an absolute, it's a no-brainer. I think he's going to play a lot of football this year. Um, however, if we do sign Mohamed Kudus, depending on his price, 
that's one you just got to keep your eye out for, I suppose, right? Um, what price would you consider him? Yes, and what price would be too much? That's no, five point five six area. He'll be he'll be six point five minimum, same as Matoma, right? Has to be. So, Solly March is six point five as well, so I mm. agree, Craig. There's no yeah. way he's going to be any less than six point five. Yeah, it's probably. I mean, it's just, to the to guys that do the Premier League, it's just some numpty that's coming from the Eredivisie. So I don't know. But, yeah. um, outside, uh, I think there's two. If I can say two, given the privilege yeah. of that, um, Julian Alvarez, Man City, for how much he costs. I think he's going to play a lot more football this year. Um, and my other one is. Mikhailo Madrid. Uh, how much is Madrid? And six, how much is Alvarez? Six five Madrid. Okay. Um, he's. They have to make him good. Just purely from an investor, how much they've invested in him and how they're building out the team. I think this would be probably the year where Sterling starts to maybe play less football. Um, Definitely. Uh, you know, uh, it's just uh, they've they've they've. Thankfully, Chelsea have been blessed with the the, the uh, Saudi Arabian gods to offload their deadwood. Um, so there's there's a clear path for Madrid to be to be on it this year. Um, and then Alvarez is six point five. Haaland's not going to play every single game, and Alvarez has just shown these such quality. Um, I they're so spoiled. But yeah, six five for a Man City striker that isn't Haaland. Yeah, I guess it swings aroundabouts, but that intrigues me. Um, yeah, he reminds me of that. I didn't even think about him, but now I'm really tempted because he reminds me of the Bernardo Silva mm. effect. Do you remember that a couple of years ago in fantasy that he yeah. was? I think he was seven or six point five, but his points to price ratio was insane because he'd come on at sixty minutes when like teams was just exhausted. And then he'd like rip them apart and then he'd start the next game and then he'd like get an assist to De Bruyne or something. And then he wouldn't play for two more. Then he'd come on and score like a brace, like, and score like just an insane amount of points for what he was worth. Alvarez, I'm a, I'm a big fan of him to be fair. He looks like a great He was a player. top 10 FPL forward scorer last year even. And that's with Haaland breaking every single record that there is. Uh, you've also got to think about like, it used to be the forward position was the primo one, right? A few years back. And it was, yeah. well, how do I squeeze more forwards? And now it's just like probably the last thing for the most part that you look at. Um, especially if Kane goes to Bayern, Tony's spent like doing his Ladbrokes time. Um, but you've got players that, that otherwise would be the top tier choices at, at striker outside of Haaland that just aren't there. It won't be there. Um, it's going to be slim pickings. Like, I think you can do worse than maybe having double stacking and having Haaland, João Pedro and Julian Alvarez as your forward line, decent chunk of change in there, but like you're covering your bases. I speak as someone that's absolutely shy to this. So don't listen to that. Well, everyone's on the same playing field before game week one, aren't they? Everyone knows the same amount as each other, really. Um, Because I definitely know less. Trust me. (laughs) There's some seasons I make a proper effort of it and come in like the top two million, and there's other ones where like I just kind of make my team on the week before, and like I'll finish in like the top hundred k over a season. Like it's all just a bit. It's all just fluky, in it really. Like you pick the right random four point five defender that scores four goals in the season. That's the key. I tell you what, it's good. It's going to be down to Luton wing backs. You know, it's so random. Play with wing backs. 
four, four, four million scrub that you've got that gets a couple <laughs> clean sheets. Yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I said to you before, I don't know a single Luton player. So <laughs> the how they play is completely lost on me. Uh, Jay in the chat also uh, picks Telemans as an outside midf- uh, player. So that's interesting. Two um, Villa midfielders from, from us. Um, one other to look on as well, because I'm going to steal one more. Uh, and that is uh, out of position alert. He will be playing striker due to Labrook's time. And that's the only reason I remembered him. And Buemo, uh, if he's fit, don't know if he had a he knock. He just got a knock. tweet, didn't he, yesterday? You um, love him, Buemo. You've, you've, you've got a little thing for him. 6.5, and he's going to be playing out and out striker for, for Brentford this season. That's in midfield. Uh, seems like an absolute knock. Yeah, that's, that's, a, fair, that's a fair shout. Yeah. Uh, on the other hand, how many of us are going to be getting uh, Trent in the side? Captain uh, Trent. Oh, vice captain, sorry. I think I went for him. Is that eight million? Eight million. Uh, Yeah, it's not worth it. I don't touch Liverpool players with a barge pole. I've already talked about my hatred for them. Uh, (laughs) I never get Salah. I don't want Salah. Just get rid. Uh, (coughs) McAllister for six. He's not not pens or free kicks. Because he's on penalties, yeah. Yeah. He's not going to get any points. He's He's like Kante. Do you know what I mean? Like it's is, super, yeah. superb player, but not for FPL. Is there any like value in, in I'm looking at their, their prices now. Is there any value in that team? For Liverpool? Yeah. I will have to have a look myself. I don't, um, I really don't. Luis Diaz is 7.5. It's pretty pricey. How much oh, is Nunez? Nunez seven, would be the seven, only five. one I'd be interested in. Both of those strikers are not bad value in my opinion. Darwin and Gakpo are both 7.5. That's a lot better value than Firmino that was like nine every season. Yeah, but all all the goals will come from Salah, Jota and (laughs) and Luis Diaz. And Darwin will shank five chances a game. Luis Diaz, 7.5 as well. Yeah. Well, who's the guy that keeps winning the Together BHA League? He's the one that we should have on to tell us what he's picking. Yeah, we should get him on next week. Uh, Max Wood, I think, won last season. Yeah, where's Max? We've had a different winner every year. Um, He'll hear this tomorrow or tonight. So, Max, uh, give us your answers um, and we'll get you in. Uh, And you can uh, can have a little... Well, you need to tell us beforehand. Because we've got to do our game week one by next Friday. I'm (laughs) going to be clueless. I'm going to have like four Luton defenders in there and Julian Alvarez won't even play well, I mean, that's on you then if you play four Luton defenders because you only play three. <laughs> oh, yeah, shit, that's a point. <laughs> I mean, I hedge my bets, you know? I think on that note, I think we are well at the point to wrap uh, because Adam is Adam is going full Todd Bowley with a 4-4-3 formation here um, and suggesting four players out of a possible allotted three from Luton. Who are, play- uh, so- yeah, who are playing Brighton on a Brighton? <laughs> yeah, just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, fellas. Uh, so we will come back on this, see what these predictions look like come the end of the season. Uh, I suspect they will all be shocking. Um, but it feels like just by sheer scattergun approach that we're all going for a little bit different, someone's going to get something mildly right, which makes us look really good. We'll cut that, edit it, and put it on the product yeah, yeah, the show yeah. uh, and make us look really in the know. Um, so, all right, fellas, we will speak 
next week. Um, and we will be speaking after a real-life Brighton Premier League football game. Again. We can now officially be excited. You can now officially yes. be excited. Yeah. Yep. All right, boys. Have a good one. Cheers. Okay. You too. Cheers. Thanks. Thanks. Bye.